Teaching Journey Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodian of the country and pay our respects to the elders past and emerging and recognizes their continuing connections to the land, waterways and community. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This episode is recorded on the Buleki Bat land. Hi everyone, you are listening to Teaching Journey Podcast, Connecting Through Early Education, Episode 8. This episode, I sat down with Raji Xavier, who has a degree in Electrical Engineering and a Master's in Education. Her passion for science and children has shaped her pedagogical teaching practices, and she has given us some great ideas on embedding STEM education in early child contexts, and I've highlighted the importance of embedding in our everyday practices with children. STEM concepts are everywhere, and through play, we incorporate by introducing terminologies and concepts that are fun and engaging and most importantly, relatable to the children, helping them building towards the conceptual understandings of science, maths, English, and technology in their learning. I would also like to add that as educators and teachers, we don't have to know all the concepts of STEM to be able to teach our children. It is through modeling the curiosity and investigative nature to children that build on the foundation of these natural instincts toward the positive learning behaviors. Discover with children, hypothesize the possibilities, and reanalyze the outcomes when you engage learning with your learnings. Take yourself, children, and the community on your journey of inquiry project and deep dive into the wonderness. And I often say, when you come out to the other end, it is not just a byproduct of what you have learned, but the skills and attributes that you have learned about yourself as a learner is the most rewarding part. So here it is, episode 8 with Raji Xavier. Enjoy. Hi everyone, with me today is Raji Xavier, who is currently in Gold Coast at the moment. Um, thank you so much, Raji, for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's my pleasure. Oh, that's so great. So great to have you here um, because it's so exciting. We had a chat a little bit for this recording and you have an amazing um, background and journey and coming into um, uh, early childhood. And I think it's so inspiring to hear that because, you know, we all have our own stories on why yes. um, we choose early childhood. Yeah, um, and it's so great that all of us are here for the children. So, um, which is so nice to hear. Uh, you did mention that you have your engineering and education degree. You have thought in uh, tertiary education for eight years um, yes. before, and yes. now you've been in early childhood for the past four years. Yes, um, and because of your knowledge of your engineering degree, uh, it is not surprised that you have a passion for STEM education. Yeah. Uh, and that's fantastic because I have not had anyone talking about STEM uh, on the podcast. So I'm actually really, really intrigued to see um, what it is from a professional background and knowing yeah. that uh, knowledge and um, understanding of the engineering uh, degree that you have and yeah. applying that into children. So um, it's just going to be really exciting to be hearing about that. And just for the listeners, we're going to continue to abbreviate science, technology, engineering, and maths as STEM throughout this podcast as well. Um, Anyone who's not aware, um, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and maths. Um, And before we get into all of that, um, could you introduce yourself and tell us why? Why did you choose early childhood? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Raji. I, I am originally from India. I moved to Australia in 2016 for my higher studies in education. Um, before that, I was actually uh, teaching engineering students back in India. Um, I am an engineer, as you already um, said. Um, I'm an electrical engineer and I'm a teacher. So I did my master's in education and then I got interested in teaching. So I started uh, tutoring and teaching in a school and then I found out teaching STEM is not something we do after they grow up or after they become adults. We have to start really young. And um, I have a son who is eight-year-old now, but um, then he was just three-year-old and he was in kindergarten. So I tried to do science experiments with him and I tried to play with him. And it really intrigued me, like how he picks up on this thinking and STEM-related uh, stuff. So I just started thinking about how what I can do to give him a better experience. That's when I actually started to think about early childhood teaching and working with children. And then I uh, moved to Gold Coast and I started working with kids. Now uh, I am a, a um, early childhood teacher and I just started working um, as an early childhood teacher this year, which basically my children uh my inspiration to do early childhood so teaching beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's great because you really wanted to investigate uh, yeah. a lot more about that understanding of child development child psychology drawing yeah. in your knowledge and interest um in science and yeah. engineering um and try to put those two worlds together together yeah. um and did you find that it was as you thought it was to be when you actually started um your course in education that oh actually this is really interesting is there anything that you kind of like discovered through that journey oh a lot more than I expected I learned so much about the connection to country and the connection to place wherever you are whatever you do uh, children learn so much in their environment wherever they are uh, whatever they do they learn all the time they're not just we can't say they're just playing or they're just doing that. They're not learning anything. No, they are actually learning every single moment. So it's not just reading and writing that makes them learn. It's actually their playing. It's their, you know, conversation with their friends. You know, all those things are important at that age. And yeah, I learned all these things from my, um, you know, um, teaching degree. And then um, about STEM, my concept of engineering was completely different, but I tried to integrate that knowledge into early childhood. How would a child actually understand, um, you know, things like a science experiment? So I know, teachers do um educators do experiments with children all the time but i'm not quite sure how well it gets transferred to the children the knowledge get transferred that's what what my focus is like 
transferring the content knowledge when they're playing with the experiment they're doing. That's my focus. So I learned so much about how children understand uh, how uh, their perception work, um, all those kind of things. Yeah, I used to teach adults, like 18 plus kids. They're not kids. So (laughs) it's completely different. So yeah, I learned so much. Yeah, oh, definitely. Academic teaching is completely different to teaching for young ones. You know, obviously they've got, you know, that wonderness and, you know, it's like a blank slate where everything is a sponge and amazing. Yeah. Um, And they're discovering um, through those journey. Whereas for adults, you know, as much as we've got all this knowledge and wealth of experience, sometimes that can be um, a blockage to learning new things and learning new skills as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you mentioned about, you know, I guess uh, the the focus and part of your goal is to delivering, you know, STEM education into children and, you know, allowing them to understand the concept a little bit better. Challenges is that for you? Um, you know, what are the things that that you know? I guess talk us through those process in your head. Is that something that you uh, it came naturally for you, or is that something that it took you a really while to figure it out? Yeah, yeah I think I am still figuring it out, but yeah, it's different to teaching. You know, explicitly teaching this is what happening. This is the process and this is how to design it's not like that it's for children for children who are in their early childhood it's uh through play we teach everything so uh, for example when they're constructing using some building blocks we can teach them about um the stability of a you know structure so it's not like explicitly teaching them about you know um which one is more stable is it a triangle or a, is it a, a square not like that but we can ask them they're doing trial and error there so we can ask them which one do you think um is more stable is this one stable is the if i make it into this shape is it stable so that way while they're playing we can try to integrate that knowledge into their play and in that way they can actually get the content knowledge through so this is what I am trying to do right now (laughs) I'm still figuring it out I'm trying to instill that problem solving skills and then um, you know the inquiry um, what is going on here so they have to question you know, things to understand what's going on behind that. So I'm trying to start from the scratch, from the problem solving skills and, you know, and then it's not like explicitly teaching, but still I'm trying to bring them into that STEM mindset so we can build on that. And that's fantastic. I think, you know, what you have highlighted is that you've, introducing this language 
Yeah. Um, because for a lot of us, um, you know, hypothesizing, asking these questions about wondering and, you know, and, and you've given all the examples of, you know, it's not about, yes, this is a triangle. Is this a triangle? It's almost like a close-ended question, isn't it? Yes. You're offering an open-ended question where there could be thousands of possibilities of different ways of going. Um, mm -hmm. And it's allowing children to investigate through those wonders and do you wonder with them as well is that something that you've discovered um, is there a story that you know you could tell or share on something that you've done that worked really really well or not because most <laughs> of the time it doesn't work right or you've got an image in your head on how you're going to deliver um, your teaching um, and yet it just never pans out well yeah sometimes <laughs> well, not, but yeah, no. I've got a story of um. So I have attended. This is a successful story, so no worries. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have attended a professional development um a, from Monash University, which is called Conceptual Playboy. So yeah. we um use a story to construct a theme and then we do the experiments around it so um i use the bear hunt story so we're going on a bear hunt and we read the story in the class and everything and then when we are going on a bear hunt we're going through you know the um river and the forest and everything so we actually prepared them for um going for a camping trip so we actually did an experiment in the class for them to make uh like mossy sprays hmm. insect sprays um so um we actually did that through this story so when we were reading the story they were like going through the um you know long grass and everything so I try to um, tell them uh, about how it feels like going into the um, forest or camping site. And then if you are left alone, what, are, what things you need to have in your backpack? Even though you're not alone still, you need to have something in your backpack. First thing is insect repellent because, you know, there can, can be more season insects everywhere. So they were so interested in it and um we used to we, we used uh funnels and test tubes and all those kind of sciencey stuff and they all looked very cute in it and then they poured and measured and it was a big success they really enjoyed it and uh, the parents came back talking about it um, they really like the pictures. We send pictures to parents about the experiments and whatever we did on that day. So they came back talking about how happy their children were. And we actually used the insect repellent we made in around the center. So we uh, gave um, our, our insect repellent to every single class. So when they go outside, they can just spray on their bodies and then walk around without the fear of mossies, mossy bites. Hang on, so it's actually a real insect repellent, like it works? Like 
You've yeah, it works. Yeah, work. we use witch hazel and, you know, some ingredients. And then, yeah, it's actually a real insect repellent. That's amazing because yeah. not only you draw in the experiences of camping and using mosquito repellent, which we all do in Australia because you really yeah. have to use an insect repellent during your summer season. Yeah. Um, and you've applied it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, making a natural uh mosquito repellent uh, yeah. is yeah which is actually um uh harmless on their skin too because yes. some of them has allergies yeah so we made sure the ingredients are not allergic to anyone yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that offers it was a great experience and you know and allowing everyone to have a i guess to contribute through that making journey um, yeah, you know, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and then also the community participation, sharing mm. that with yeah other rooms too. Yeah, other rooms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. even to the babies because it, it was safe to use all ages. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So it was a very good experience for the children and for me too because yeah. you know they are learning about chemical engineering. Yes, in fact, but. Uh, they were learning it through the bear hunt stories or and uh, you know so it was fun it was fun for me too I've and I've heard the bear hunt story uh in many of our teaching uh you know lesson plans yeah experiences with the children Um, but yet I've actually never heard of uh, (laughs) being inspired to make a mosquito repellent so that's amazing yeah Yeah. um and so obviously we in early child we work with educators um, yes and so what's that journey like for you um because you've got you know this wealth of knowledge and experience and passion I can hear that passion yeah Um, what does that look like in terms of you know sharing that um getting everyone on board utilizing that language because we know the early childhood that if it's a shared learning uh, with the children among other educators being on board then becomes really instilled and ingrained um in the pedagogy of your classroom yeah Um, what does that look like in terms of you know getting other educators to be familiar with that style of teaching that you have um because I used to be a STEM leader in wherever I worked, so everybody expected me to do the science C stuff. So um um so I had a great team with me all the time. Um they used to, they were very supportive and they expected me to come with something, you know. Whenever I will be doing any experiments, they will be bringing all the children and they are interested and they make sure all the children are there to watch this you know wonder what magic happening you know and so yeah I had a good team all the time um, supporting me and they were all wondering about why are you here why are you doing this like not like in a bad way like yeah you know all this stuff why don't you go work somewhere else yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but but I was I I, it's my passion it's my passion to you know it's basically I am trying to find out something that's good 
probably for my own children that makes um, other children feel good about STEM too. So, and I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's almost like, you know, we've got this connotation that STEM education is mm-hmm. a separate thing. You yeah. can't integrate it. It needs to be an extracurricular um, learning yeah. experiences, a separate yeah. one. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it needs to, you You know, when we set up, it's a specific. And I'm sure there is that um, misconception around what STEM yeah. is like as well, you know, yeah. that really standard uh, mixing formulas. And yes. when we talk about technology, it has to be around computer, yeah. um, you know, and maths will be all about numbers. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it, right? Yes, of course there were. Um, so Max, for example, Max is not just about numbers and counting. It's all also about you know you can integrate Max into your everyday practice with children, like going into the shops or you know just going for a drive. They they start to recognize numbers on the speed signs and you know things like that or you can just ask them to find out what's the shape of the windows or you know things like that they they it's not just about counting from one to ten every day it's not like that um we do again we can integrate into you know stories or songs like five little dogs went out one day things like that it's it's also integrating max we also do you know um we also have a natural play area where they can uh, use natural materials for counting or making um, equations or, you know, adding or subtracting. They don't really do subtracting, but still. No, <laughs> um, they do because if yeah. you took away one, yeah, yeah. Imagine the gumnuts are little couples. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you take away one, what happens? Yes. There is only four left now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, things like that. And again, technology always there is a negative connotation about technology use in classroom, but it. It's not always negative. There are like things we can do um, positive. That's a really good topic to have because there's a lot of, like you said, uh, negative connotation around technology use in early childhood. There's a lot of research around, um, you know, usage for technologies for children under twos as well. Um, And so how do we incorporate technology for under twos, for example? What it is that you've done in practices that you've seen that's really good? I have used technology in my classroom, uh, in kindergarten classroom. They are like about three already, about three or four. Um, we, for example, if we are studying a concept, like we are studying about plants or life cycle of a plant or something like that, we will be doing, we did this. So we had an app downloaded in our iPad and it's like looking after your plant. So if you need to water the plant, the app will tell, looking at the plant, the uh, um, app will tell you, okay, it's time to water your plant. So through this kind of, you know, um, actions, they will know um, how to actually look after a plant or to uh, give it some fertilizers or something like that. And we created a garden outside our classroom. 
So we used to play these games on our iPad. There is a particular game. I forgot the name of the game, but still, it's about looking after the plan, what the plan needs, and um, things like that, and parts of the plan. All these things you can learn from the app, and then they will go outside, water the plant, and help with the gardening and everything. So technology is not all that bad. It, you can use it to help children learn too. Yeah, definitely. And especially in, um, in this modern age, yeah. technology is so accessible. It's about, you know, I guess, um, empowering children on how to use technology safely Yes, um, as well. So, um, and, you know, a lot of the time, most of the children, I guess we are very lucky in this modern age that, you know, it's accessible in terms of phones and yeah computers and TVs. Um, There's no point in hiding them away from technology or taking technology away from them because in in real world, they're going to enter the real world and they're going to use it anyway, even if you permit them or not. So it's it's better to make them uh, prepare for for a safe usage of technology rather than completely cutting it off at a young age. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what my opinion is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely very uh, controversial um, yeah. topic in early childhood yeah. specifically. <laughs> it is, um, and it's almost like it's it's one of those things. I believe uh, a reflective topic um, that we need to constantly check in every year, uh, thinking about the cohort of the children. Thinking yeah. about you know how it is that we're gonna utilize the language that comes around with it. Uh, what's the purpose and how yeah. is it gonna be utilized in in in, in that learning experiences? So, um, you know, obviously technology does not apply for all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, yeah. There are place and time for it. So it's about yeah. how we come together and it's in agreement. So. Um, you know, if you've got a team member who have a different opinion, it's about sitting down and really understanding um, yeah. you know, what it is that works well for the team. So I, yeah. I think it's just one of those really good topic to constantly bring forward. So you can always reflect and think about it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you spoke about how this journey is like for you in terms of coming into teaching. Um, you mentioned that you've got children as well. Um, and so what are the challenges that you have as a teacher? Because we've spoken a little bit before recording that it's very different when we are applying for our parenting styles. Um, yeah. Then, you know, teaching comes a whole different platform because you work as a team and you've got a lot more and big, all your individual children, you've got your families that come, yes. you have to cater for them uh, in terms of their, you know, uh, their, their backgrounds and their culture and their interests and strengths. What are the challenges that you find that has, you know, throughout this journey in terms of teaching and, and, and your self-identity? Yeah, um, as a migrant um, teacher myself uh, and a parent, so when I came here to Australia, I was looking for a kindergarten for my own son. So I know how difficult for young children coming from other backgrounds to, you know, blend into this culture uh, or 
my son used to step back and watch everything first and then he will decide which area to go or which child to go to which teacher to go to so he was always hesitant to go to the room first and then um uh once he was okay with the language and everything that's when he got used to or that's when he got a little bit of you know confidence to go into the um environment and start playing so as a parent i know that difficulty already so i love to support children with you know any kind of um separate separation anxiety or you know coming from a different culture so it doesn't really understand what's going on um so um at the same time i uh, something which is difficult for me is um you know um teachers finding or teachers treating everybody um just like uh just equally i won't say it's not it's it's fair to treat everybody i'm not saying it's not good but i'm what i'm trying to say is um you can't judge a child based on your experience with another child everybody is different you know so um yeah so you have to have an individual approach to every single child so it's always a challenge to find out what works for each child that is the biggest challenge yes. i think yes <laughs> yeah um, there are like behavior issues or you know this communication issues and everything but i can't say if i work with if uh, if i have experience with like 100 children i can't still say um you know oh yeah i got everything now i got to know all kinds of children now no that's not the end of it there will be a 101 a 101 child who was not exactly the same as those ones and he will be completely different or she will be completely different so there is uh every single child is different i suppose that's what i'm trying to say so it's it's the finding their individual needs and cater for their individual needs is something uh i find as a um, well challenge at the same time i would like to take that challenge i think catherine hayden said this um i don't know if you are familiar with catherine hayden she's one of um a consultant in early childhood she's mm-hmm. She's almost like a celebrity in early childhood as well. <laughs> Everyone knows her in, uh, I guess, in Melbourne. She's Melbourne-based. Um, and she spoke about diversity uh, and inclusion. Yeah. Uh, and she said it's about child's rights, individual yeah. child's rights. Every child has a right to be heard, to be uh, accepted, included as an individual. Um, just like this. Because, um, yeah. you know, um, I can have... I may mean, look the same or I might behave the same or I might have the same interests. I might have, you know, the same gender as someone else, but I am a completely different person yes. to, you know, the person next to me. Um, and it's about how do we cater for all of that? And I think that's always the biggest challenge in early childhood. Uh, and we do it so well. We do strength-based so well, um, but uh, including everyone. Yeah. Um, 
in each and every practices that we do, um, I think is definitely a challenge. And it's, a, it's a, not a good reflective, um, you know, uh, topic to have as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and in terms of yourself, what has teaching taught you? Um, you know, you, you spoke about all the things that you really enjoy doing, but have you learned something about teaching with children? Yeah, um, I think I kind of said this already, but catering to each child's need, and you can't expect everybody to be the same, and um, you can't, yeah, I learned how to, it may take time, but gradually connect with children and understand their needs and try to create a curriculum around their needs. So, yeah, that's something very new to me because I used to teach a curriculum which is already set up and not probably individually, um, you know, concerned about individual needs of children, <laughs> which was already set up and then the children, um, then they come and learn it. But this is completely different. So teaching in an early childhood setting taught me to consider every individual child and then create a curriculum around their needs and about uh, around their goals about their parents goal uh, um yeah um of so whatever their parents expectations are from me so i try to ask them about what do you expect for your child uh from this classroom so some some parents say I want them to start writing their names or, or some of them say I want them to be, um, uh, you know, um, good in self-help uh, skills. Like it's just the transition year. It's all definite to school. So definitely they need some skills to go to school. So, yeah, some parents will say that's what I am aiming for. So I want you to teach my child this and that. Um, yeah, somebody will say, yeah, I want them to sit down and focus and follow instructions. So it's different for every child. And I ask the children too, what are your um, interests? Or what do you want to play with today? Or what do you want to do today? So yeah, creating a, a you know, a lesson plan or, or a curriculum based on parents and parents and children's interest is something very um, new to me, and I learned that from my teaching. <laughs> and and also, you know, including a curriculum that with your knowledge of early childhood as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know what's best. Uh, you know when children are ready to learn. Yeah. Or you know how long children are meant to sit for. You know, it's yes. really important for children to sit for. Uh, a certain amount of period, you know. Um, yeah. It's, a, uh, it's definitely one of the challenge that um, I've spoken to many people in the podcast as well, where how do we educate families about what we know, about what's important, research, yeah. what's, you know, uh, developmentally for young children um, yeah. and what the school readiness look like as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that comes with, you know, a lot of cultural background and understanding. Yes. And, um, and it's, it's about understanding all of that and putting them all into consideration and coming together in yes. partnership. Yes. 
of yeah. course yes yeah it is very important to you know work with the parents the community and the world around them to provide them with the best possible education that we can offer yeah yeah definitely yeah now we spoke about how challenging uh, mm-hmm. teaching is um yeah. and how much work we've actually put in place yeah. for you know preparing children and you know also getting um yeah thinking about our practices all that reflective practices that come with it, it, it's it's a big role that we actually do carry in our teaching uh, professional is there any works that you do for yourself in terms of looking after yourself, in terms of self-care? Um, you know, it's impossible, I'm going to say, because you've got children. But, you know, how does that look like for you in terms of self-care? Um, there was a time uh, I overlooked my self-care. <laughs> that, uh, and then I... I was physically, mentally, emotionally drained myself. And then um, I was not sure if I want to continue in this profession or not. But it's, yeah, I learned about the importance of self-care and I started looking after myself a little bit more. I think uh, it could be, um, I worked in a center where my director and assistant director and my colleagues were super friendly and super supportive um and that's when I actually started releasing that tension and uh, have started enjoying the profession so and that's where um I learned to look after myself because they always used to say they always brought something into our room like chocolates or something or uh, or a gift card just for you know acknowledging your efforts you know and so I felt good when my director used to do that and then I, I I thought yeah why don't I do it to myself sometimes why don't I go out and have something that I like yeah. or you know um, go for a massage or something like that yeah you know so yeah it is really important to have some self-care we we should not be you know so exhausted all the time because in that state of your mind or in that state of your body you can't provide the quality education that you're supposed to give them so yeah it is very important to have some kind of self self-care for yourself so you can be well and you can, you know, provide the quality education you're supposed to provide. Yeah. And it's so important because, you know, we know that you're not affected yeah. when we are not the best yeah. with ourselves. And, you know, it does impact the learning in the classroom as well. So yeah. uh, you've definitely highlighted the importance of it. And it's great to hear that, you know, you are working in an environment that, um, prioritize self-care um, yeah. uh, it makes a huge difference when yeah, it is it, when it, it, it's a, it's such a big difference um, to have a you know a supportive team around you and uh, getting acknowledged for your efforts and you know yeah yeah and in terms of motivation what things do you do for yourself to motivate yourself or inspire yourself 
Um, this may sound crazy to many people, but I do attend PDs in my own time. That is, yeah. I mean, look, in the sector, unfortunately, that's what happens. Um, yeah. Not only we're underpaid, we are time poor. Um, yeah. So we don't have enough yeah, resources or, you know, financial resources to be able to do that. So, yeah. So, you so I do attend lots of PDs. I, I, as I said, I am so much into STEM education in early childhood. So I try to find PDs online uh, whenever I try to find out online PDs mostly because I have a little baby so mm -hmm. I can't really go anywhere with her to attend PD so I try to do PDs in in my free time that in my own time so that's something I and and I get ideas from there I write it down I try to implement it in my class and that's something keeps motivating me like um you know i get ideas from there and that's something i really like to do <laughs> yeah. and i know that a lot of the people who i speak with who are content with their professional journey um and the idea yeah. it's definitely not an easy process but yeah. something that is um you know self-motivation uh, you know, you are taking ownership of the knowledge and yes. the information that comes to you and you're putting it into action. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way to, you know, to move forward. It's definitely not an easy sector to be in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we mentioned that it's, yeah, very underpay. Um, yeah. Physically, mentally, um, you know, does take a toll of you. Uh, yeah. in this, uh, emotionally. <laughs> emotionally as well. Um, and it's true. And, you know, it's about how do we keep ourselves up and coming to date. And so, yeah. But, yeah, definitely advocating for the sector is another one way for us to to get the voice out there that we actually do a lot of work um, yes. for our passion um, yeah. and also for, for the children, for this younger generation as well. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back uh, now, uh, I know that you've worked for four years now. Yeah. But, you know, what advice would you tell yourself on that first day or the beginning, you know, uh, period? Um, is there anything that you would sort of like tell yourself uh, with the knowledge uh, that you have now? Um, my advice to myself four years ago would be do not get disheartened. There is a, you know, you, you have still got that appreciation coming from somewhere. Like you get the satisfaction of your work when you hear, when you see a smile on the child's face or you, when you, when you actually conduct an experiment or, you know, whatever. When it's successful, when you see the wonder in their eyes, that's when you get the job satisfaction, not because your friends around you, your colleagues around you, you know, even though when they're not very supportive or even though uh, you're not working in a center where there is not much resources, that is not what we are there for. We are there for the children. So I would probably... Uh, give myself an advice of you know focus on the satisfaction in the children's eyes the wonder that um you you know you can see in their eyes or you know that's something to look for rather than appreciation from your peers <laughs> 
And that can be hard, yeah, because, you know, we spoke about how we work together as a team yeah. and, you know, coming together. So we, we, we spend a lot of time with our co-workers. Yes, we do. And, you know, it's about, you know, creating a family and a sense of belonging. And when teams don't work really well together, it can be quite difficult. Um, yes. And, and, and challenging. But I think what you've highlighted is that you know just thinking back about our why yeah. why are we here in a second yes. why, you know um we love what we do and what is our purpose as a teacher yeah. um what are we here for and you know i guess you know thinking about how do we have those difficult conversations with colleagues who are not on the same page it's about going back to our purpose um of what we do which is for the children and children's yeah and you know how it is that we would like to educate children and what it yeah. is that we can do you know yeah it sounds really simple but yeah one <laughs> goes through that journey working with a lot of people um with different backgrounds different philosophy different ideas and I think yeah. um yeah it's, it's it's definitely a challenge when we work with people who are not on the same page yeah, yeah. but we learn a lot from them don't we yes we do yeah yeah, yeah, and it, it sort of um, reaffirms what we believe yeah. in. Uh, yes, and you know where we want to be. Uh, yeah, in our professional journey as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love hearing your story. Um, you're definitely a very unique, uh, you know, uh, educator in terms of your journey and experience yeah. and wealth of knowledge in two different degrees that came together. I think yeah. it's such a beautiful story, but also it sounds that like you're very passionate in early childhood and you have found your calling. Yeah. You have found your place that you want to yeah. grow and, you know, wonder. And, and, and be, there's so much research out there. There's always new things that are coming. So it's almost lots to discover and lots to yes. as well so yeah, yeah. but thank, thank you, so you for having me no worries thank you so much thank you